In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Let us read some verses from Galatians chapter 1, starting from verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Grace of God the Father be with all of us. Amen. Uh, during the time of the early church, some people who became Christian, but from from Jewish background, they wanted to teach that unless you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be true Christian. And these people, we call them the Judaizers. Judaizers who are teaching the importance of keeping the law of Moses. And the law of Moses could not save the people. The law of Moses had some symbols that actually when the people keep and observe they cannot be saved by them but these symbols enlightened and prepared our mind to the sacrifice of Christ so once Christ came and offered himself as a sacrifice there was no need to keep the law of Moses. The law, I mean the ceremonial law, like the purifications, the sacrifices, the circumcision, all these ceremonies. But the Judaizers were very, very strong and they manipulated the people, persecuted them. So people actually feared them. So one of the people who was very strong against them was St. Paul. That's why St. Paul told the Galatians who were Gentiles from non-Jewish background 
He told them, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, from God, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. That you are turning from the gospel of Christ to a different gospel. Gospel means good news. So St. Paul said, which is another, there is no good news except the good news of the gospel of Christ. But some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ, they want actually to tell you that unless you keep the law, you cannot be saved. And St. Paul said, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we preach it, let him be accursed. And he repeated this twice. Some people like Peter and like Barnabas tried actually to keep, to take a middle uh, situation. For example, they say, yes, the gospel of Christ is enough, but it's okay to keep circumcision. St. Paul did not like this. And he said, no, I'm not going to please men. Do I seek to please men? If I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. St. Peter, when there is no Judaizers around, he used to sit and eat with the Gentiles and live like them. But when people came from Jerusalem, from James, the Bishop of Jerusalem, some Judaizers, St. Peter became afraid, lest they criticize him harshly. So he started actually to withdraw from sitting and meeting with the Gentiles. Also Barnabas did the same. And St. Paul did not like this. And he confronted Peter and Barnabas. And he called out this as hypocrisy. Why you being Jew, you live as the Gentiles, when the Judaizers came from Jerusalem, now you are separating yourself from the Jews. And until now, we as Sunday school servants or as clergy, we have pressure from people to try to keep balance between what pleases God and what pleases men. Is this balance acceptable or not? To what extent I can keep balance between persuade, uh, pleasing God and pleasing men? Let me give you another example about pleasing men. 
Pontius Pilate, he was a very strong governor. To the extent we read in Luke chapter 13, when he was not pleased with some Jews, he killed them while they were offering their sacrifices. So their own blood was mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. So this man was a very strong. This man knew for sure that Jesus was innocent. He examined him and he said, I did not find anything in Jesus wrong. I did not find anything deserve death. Also, his, his wife, in a dream, saw that Jesus is a righteous man and sent him a message. Beware, don't touch this righteous man. But in spite of this, Pontius Pilate actually delivered the Lord Jesus Christ to death. Yes, he washed his hand, but this doesn't make him justified. Why did he deliver the Lord Jesus to death? We find the answer in Mark chapter 15, verse 15. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, wanting to please the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. So, the sin of Pontius Pilate was a sin of actually pleasing men. He wanted to gratify people. He wanted to please them. So he delivered an innocent person to death just to please the people. Because they threatened him. If you release Jesus, then you do not love Caesar. And also, it is very surprising that St. Paul himself, uh, who was against the Judaizers, when he went to Jerusalem, he took four men and completed the ritual of purification in the temple as we read in Acts chapter 21, verse 23 and 24. Yes, it was an instruction from James in Jerusalem. He told them, he told Paul, therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow, take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly 
and keep the law, and keep the law. St. Paul also asked Timothy to be circumcised, although he spoke against circumcisions, but he asked Timothy to be circumcised. Then since his father, Timothy's father, was Greek. But there is another verse actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 that confuses a little bit. He said, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things. I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So sometimes St. Paul said, I please all men in all things. And another place he says, if I please men, I'm not a servant of God. So how can we reconcile all these contradicting verses? Of course, they are not contradicting, they are complementing one another. And we as Sunday school servants, when we know that pleasing men is sinful and not pleasing them is wrong. Sometimes when we please men, it is sinful. Sometimes when we don't please them, it is wrong. So how can we keep the balance? First, let me mention some reasons why we feel we are obliged to please men. Some reasons are we don't want to make them angry or we don't want to hurt their feeling or we don't want to embarrass them. For example, a person comes to the church with inappropriate clothes. So here you find in yourself, how can you handle this situation? If you are going to talk to them, maybe you will embarrass them or hurt their feeling or make them angry and they will never come to the church again. So how can we react? Some people please men just to get a word of praise. So when I please men, they will praise me. They will say about me that I am open-minded, I am enlightened, I am kind, and I want to hear these words of praise. Sometimes we please men 
under the notion of love. Many people nowadays, they say we need to accept uh, the homosexuals and uh, fight for the right to have uh, marriage and to have families. Christ loved everybody and we need to love these people and show them love. And we should not stand against the right to get married and to have families. So is this love, is this Christian love or not? Sometimes we please people because we are afraid to lose their love toward us. So just I please another person to secure his love toward me. I cannot afford losing his love. So whatever he does, I will approve because I want to secure his love toward me. Sometimes we please others, especially if these others are superior to us, because we are afraid from punishment or discipline, or we are afraid that we lose their support. So I agree with my boss and I please him even in what he is doing wrong. John the Baptist did not please King Herod and he offered his life as a cost for this. Sometimes when we correct somebody, either we feel guilty within ourselves because we have weak conscience, or if the other person is good in manipulation, he will make you feel guilty. If you go and try to correct a narcissist, he will make sure to make you feel guilty in order not to uh, correct him anymore. You know, the narcissist is, he wants to be the center of attention all the time. That's why it's very difficult to correct a narcissist. And he will make a big deal out of it. A very minor connection, he will amplify it as if you did the unforgivable sin. And he will manipulate you until you feel guilty. So you will please him. And this pleasing will serve him well 
because he wants to be the center of attention. So sometimes we need to get rid of this guilt feeling. Either because, guilt feeling either because of the manipulation of others or because my heart actually or my conscience is weak. Also, I may please people because I don't want people to say about me I am closed-minded or I'm not enlightened. I'm not uh, open-minded. So I want to get rid of these uh, titles. So just being afraid of the people call me too strict or too conservative, then I will please them. Uh, in uh, Romans, chapter 14 St. Paul says sorry, in Romans chapter 15 St. Paul says in verse 2 let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So the answer, how to keep the balance when pleasing others would be a sin and when not pleasing others would be wrong, the answer in Romans 15.2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So pleasing others is acceptable and commendable. And actually it is a commandment. If this leads to his spiritual good and his spiritual edification pleasing others is a commandment when it leads to the spiritual good of the other and spiritual edification of the others. So pleasing other is good when it falls within my commitment to please God. In John chapter 8 and verse 29, the Lord Jesus Christ said, And he who sent me, the Father who sent me, is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I always do those things that please him. So, as a Sunday school servant, my commitment, number one, 
is to please God. And when pleasing others fall into this context of pleasing God, then it is commendable. This is something good. To please one another for good, for edification. But when pleasing others contradict the commandment of God clearly, then this is sinful. That's what St. Paul said, if I please others, I am not a servant of Christ. So that is the balance. If pleasing others is again as a commandment of God, like same-sex marriage, I cannot say that same-sex marriage is pleasing others within my commitment to please God. Then here it is sinful. And those who support same-sex marriage are not servants of God. They are not. St. Paul warned us that in the end of the days we will have many false teachers. And these false teachers will say to the people what they want to hear. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. People will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So they will gather for themselves teachers, tell them what pleases their ears, what pleases them, and they will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to fables. This will happen when the people refuse and reject the government of God and will look for the government of people. You know, the word people in Greek means laos. One of the churches in the book of Revelation called Laotia, Laotia from the word Laos. So the meaning of Laotia is the government of the people. This church actually, that's actually the seventh church from the seven churches of uh, the book of Revelation. 
And some fathers said these seven churches are seven stages in the history of the church. So the last stage will be the stage of the church of Laodicea. That's before the end of the times. In which the people will kick Christ outside from the churches. They will kick him outside. That's why we read him saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So this church kicked Christ outside, but out of his love, he did not leave. He stood at the door, knocking, waiting for the people to open to him. Why they kicked him outside? Because they don't want his government anymore. They want their own government, their own ruling. They want to set their own rules in the church. They don't want the rules of God anymore. They feel that they are rich. They have all the knowledge. They have all the economy. And they don't need anything, as we read in uh, Revelation 3.17, because you say, I am rich have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Uh, And we can say that we are living in this time. Either people clearly deny God and claim they are atheist or agnostic, they don't want God in their life. Or they try to say you are Christian, but they are twisting the teaching of the gospel to fit their own government. Now people are speaking about human rights and human freedom and they put the human rights and their freedom above the rights of God and his authority and his government in the church. For example, hear the argument for abortion. They will tell you it is the right of the woman to keep the child or not. It's her right. So, while they are defending what they call human rights, they trample underfoot the teaching of God. They said, even you have the right to decide your gender. So God created you male or female, it doesn't matter. 
I will decide my gender. And now, this philosophy and this ideology is infiltrating the society and it is imposed on us. You know, I travel a lot, so I book many tickets. One of the things that bothers me every time I book a ticket, when I have to choose from four genders in airlines, major airlines, you have to choose from four genders, male, female, unspecified, and undisclosed. This is craziness. But they impose this on us. They don't respect the rules of God, the authority of God. And they don't also respect our mind and our intelligence. They highlight the human authority more than the divine authority. And unfortunately, some of them, they call, this is the teaching of Christ. That's what Christ is teaching, love, tolerance, acceptance. They have a false witness for Christ. They are false witnesses for Christ. That's why Christ, when he actually introduced himself to the church of the Laodiceans, he said in Revelation 3, verse 14, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The true witness, he called himself the true witness because he saw that his people denying him and they are false witnesses to him. And also he introduced himself as the beginning of the, cre- of the creation of God. The beginning doesn't mean the first one who was created, definitely Christ, we say, begotten from the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not created. So the beginning means he's the head, he's the origin, he's the source. Why God introduced himself this? As if saying to them, when you separate yourself from the head, you will die. So this church, by kicking God outside, they separated themselves from the head. He is the beginning, he is the source, he is the origin. This church does not deny Christ explicitly. They say you are Christian and we love Christ. 
Christ was in our side. But in the same time, they are men pleasers and put the human government above God's government. That's why God told them, you are neither cold nor hot. Neither cold, you don't deny me explicitly like the atheist, for example, nor hot because you are not a true witness. You are a false witness for me. The theology of this church, they call it the theology of love, but it is the false love. It is the theology of acceptance to all beliefs, all principles. There is no zeal for Christ and no hatred for sin. Again, no zeal for Christ and no hatred for sin. No enmity to Christ, but no submission to his word and his authority. No enmity, no explicit enmity to Christ, but in the same time, no submission to his word and his teaching. So, this church is very active in what we call it uh, philanthropic activities, charitable activities, without spiritual edification. They may go and, and feed the homeless, support the poor, support the less privileged, But there is no focus on spiritual edification. The church, instead of becoming the house of God, house of prayer, will be an organization that serves the community only. not contributing to the transformation of the community to the image of Christ, but just serving the human needs. So from outside, this church will be attractive and many people will be impressed by this church. But this church lost the ability to transform people's heart and to change them into the likeness of Christ. This church search for its own glory And I can call this church also a narcissistic church because they are taking the glory to themselves instead of giving glory to God. This church has no cross. 
even maybe they put a huge cross but they don't carry the cross of sacrifice for Christ they have the image of godliness but they deny its power this church falter and waver between the two ways the way of God and the way of the world so we'll end up with lukewarm hearts they don't care about the truth they don't care about sound doctrine but they care about pleasing men This church, in reality, it caused nausea. It caused others to be disgusted by their situation. That's why the Lord said to them, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Which means total rejection to a church that pleases men. Total rejection from God. They feel they are self-sufficient, they don't need God. They boast by what they were doing, not by the glory of God. They trust themselves, not God. They feel powerful, rich, away from God. They put the mind above the spirit. And they consider the light of the mind is higher than the divine revelation in the scripture and the light of the Holy Spirit. That's why they even change the theology in order to please men. Men don't want to hear about punishment. So they say there is nothing called punishment. And they cancel completely the theology of punishment. And they say there is nothing called the hell. Hell is just a condition because you are separated from God. Why they are teaching this? Because some atheists said, how can a merciful God send people to hell for eternity? So instead of searching the scripture and searching the teaching of the early church fathers to answer such questions, and all these questions were answered by early church fathers, and the, the answer also is in the scripture. But they put their mind above the scripture. They put their mind above the divine revelation they put their mind above the teaching of early church fathers. So they perverted the theology. And they introduced now a new theology 
appealing to people, a pleasing people. And this theology relying only on the power of their mind, not the power of the spirit. So we as Sunday school servants, some of us, without realizing, we feel ourselves are drifted into this way without realizing that we are drifting away from the truth. We are turning our ears from the truth to fables. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. So how to protect yourself from falling into this sin, sin of pleasing people on the expense of the truth, contradictory to pleasing God and defending the truth. God actually gave three instructions to the church of Lao Tse. In verse 18, chapter 3 from book of Revelation, The first instruction, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. The second advice, a white garment, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And the third advisement, advice, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What are these three advices mean? And here the Lord said buy. Buy means get rid of your richness. Get rid of what you trust in, whether it's your mind, it's your power, it's your understanding, and turn it in exchange of these three things. Gold refined with fire, white garments, and eyes up. What is the gold refined in the fire? As we read in Psalm 19, this is actually the word of God. Psalm 19. We pray it every day in the first hour of the Agbaya. Verse 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are than are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So these are the judgments of the Lord. The judgments of the Lord 
they are desired more than fine gold. So the Lord is telling us, don't rely on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own mind. Go to my word, and my word will teach you. Go to my word. My word is gold, refined. Also, we read in Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. The word of God is like silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Submit to the government of the Lord. Submit to his judgment. Make his word your final authority, as interpreted, as understood by early church fathers. That is the gold refined with fire. The true richness does not come from your mind and your intelligence. Don't be wise in your own eyes. The true richness come from the true gold, which is the word of God. What are the white garments? The white garments is the righteousness of Christ. You know, in the Old Covenant, we are born sinners. And then we have list of commandments. If we keep them, we will be righteous. But nobody was able to keep them, so nobody became righteous. In the New Covenant, you are born a sinner. But in the baptism and chrismation, you put on the righteousness of Christ, and you receive it as a free gift, as grace from God. That's why after we baptize a child, we dress him in white. This is the righteousness of Christ. You cannot be righteous by your own works. You cannot be righteous by these philanthropic activities and humanitarian uh, charitable activities. You will be righteous by the blood of Christ. So, Put on the righteousness of Christ. And if these white garments are defiled after your baptism, you have the sacraments of repentance, confession, and communion to wash your sins again. And always, always, you have the righteousness of Christ. So don't boast. Don't have glory in your own works in your own mind. But have glory in the righteousness of Christ. Boast in his righteousness. And the third thing, actually, the eye salve. It is the salve of the Holy Spirit that make us see better. In Acts chapter 26, and verse 
God said to Paul, I send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So that is the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in me to open my eyes, to make me turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Also in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So people who are enlightened by the Holy Spirit, not by their own mind, they will shine like the brightness in the, of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So these are the three commandments. The word of God, the white garment, which is the righteousness of Christ, and the salve of the Holy Spirit to enlighten my eyes and my understanding. So, in our time, I see Christ is kicked outside our society, our community, outside many of our hearts, outside many of the churches. But Christ is still standing at the door and knocking, waiting for us to open to him. Opening to him means to accept him as our king and our savior, to submit to his government, to submit to his law, to submit to his judgment, to put on his righteousness, to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit and to live by the word of God. It's our choice either to please God and be servants of God or to please men and we will not be servants of God. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. What would be signs that we would look for in ourselves if we are trending towards that thought? Or to, like, so we don't drift into that thought of lukewarmness with society. What would be signs that we would look for in ourselves being here part of the church? Again, it is the government of God. Are we submitting to the government of God or not? As the Lord Jesus Christ said about the Father, all the time I'll do what pleases him. So if any thought came to my mind, I need to check it. Is this thought matching the teaching of God in the scripture, the teaching of the church? And when actually I have the spirit of a disciple and I ask the church and I ask in true submission
to the teaching of the church and the teaching of the scripture. This will protect me from drifting away. And when somebody actually starts to drift away out of ignorance, God in his kindness, he will send him many messengers to this person to knock at the door of him. He said, I am knocking at the door. Knocking at the door means what? Means he will send you a servant. He will send you a priest. He will send you a friend. He will send you somebody to tell you that's wrong. Don't listen to these philosophies. That's knocking on the door. And sometimes he used goads to pierce your heart. As he said to Paul uh, before his conversion, till when you will kick against goods. But sometimes in our arrogance, we refuse to listen and we turn our eyes blind completely to all this knocking and to all these goods that piercing my heart.